podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. It's not our first week back, but it is our first week like back the way things are normally going to be. Joining me today, as they will every Monday, and as they normally do on Mondays, Jamie Steyer. Yes, hello. It's 2021. Basketball's in full swing. I'm living my best life. I love to hear it. And Andy Mitz. Are, are we sure it's actually 2021? This feels more like extra innings or 2020. <laughs> it's it's like 2020, like part two, or like it's a subset of. It's like when you're doing when you write notes in history class and you do like capital I, Roman numeral one, and then below it you're like capital A, and then below it you're like dot dot dot. So you can, I don't like, want to hear things. about. I don't want to hear about taking notes. I start back to school tomorrow. I I don't even want to talk about well i'll have started back by the time this airs oh a student in our midst our midst midst <sighs> oh boy there's a word to say um before we dive into uh, our variety plethora of topics today i want to say thank you to everybody who listens to the show um we did pick up last month in december a few new reviews on the show on itunes so i want to say thank you to those of you who have left us a rating especially those who left a five appreciate it uh we have a we have like thirty eight fives, a four, a three, a two, and two ones. Which ones are fine? Fives are great. Threes okay. Like twos and fours. Like I'm not gonna complain. I appreciate it. But also like twos. Like it's not the worst thing I've ever listened to, but it's not good. So I'm gonna give you a two. And I'm like, well, that. I mean, I guess it could be worse. I appreciate that. By the way, if you're gonna leave a bad rating, do me a favor. Like, can you tell me what you don't like? If you're just like, I hate you and you're an idiot. That's also constructive criticism I can try and work with, but just just let me know. Okay, so we got three reviews, and as I've said, if you leave us reviews, I will read them on here. So first up, Adam Smith, 1982, says, uh, Thank you for all the highly entertaining banter week after week as an Oklahoma State alum. It is nice to hear about what goes on around the conference. If possible, I appreciate this. This is constructive. Would love to hear more former player guests, uh, which we are going to work on in the off 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 season like the true summer off season when there's nothing going on uh, or panels with lightning round type q a i love that idea that that's going to come in also would enjoy a uh, one interesting theme from thing from each school segment uh, finally keep up the great work thank you for taking your valuable time to do this for your listeners i've been fortunate to listen to every episode adam smith thank you sir i appreciate that that was very nice uh it was a very nice review i do like the, the uh, lightning round type q a suggestion we do get a little bit uh, long-winded, and by we, I see me on some topics every once in a while, so it'd be nice to just kind of have some quick hits. So we're going to talk about uh, how to implement that moving forward. I also want to say thank you to my humble take, you, uh, who who left us a five-star, uh, and the, t- the headline is the theme song is pretty good. If you like Oklahoma State and questionable basketball takes, this is the pod for you. Andy is kind of cool. Hey. Well, there you go. Oh, Question man, is, I thought is, that was going to be a shot at me with the questionable basketball takes. I think he's me. That's probably me. Um, well, this one's for you. Uh, thank you to Agile Hawker. Uh, five stars. I hate Andy. Merry Christmas yes. and happy holidays, everyone. Woo-hoo! You got one. Your Christmas wish came true. 
Uh, forget the bell that only like children who believe could hear in. This is what Andy really wanted for Christmas. Exactly. I got everything else I wanted, so that just finished it off. Thank you so much. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So thank you to everyone who left us a review. If you have not done so, if you're an avid listener of the show, especially if you listen on iTunes, do us a favor, leave us a rating. Five stars would be preferable. Uh, and a review. If you have a, if you want to leave a bad rating because you've just like listened once or twice and you hate the show, uh, let us know why. Like leave us, you can even DM us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E and then we're 12 the word podcast. Or you can hit us up on Instagram at 1012pod. Like, honest to goodness, I want to know what people don't like, because if it's something that we can actually fix, if it's things that people just don't like about the show, I, I am happy to take constructive criticism and do my best to make the show uh, as good as possible. Um, so leave us a rating, leave us a review. Appreciate everyone who has thus far, and uh, and look forward to reading some more here on the show in the future, hopefully the very near future, like uh, next episode, or next Monday, but we'll see about that. Okay, so pot, little podcast business aside... Before we hop into hoops, because we we're in hoop season, as a, a Jamie mentioned uh, earlier on, we're we're all in on hoops. I do have to point out one thing: uh, we'll do a lot more football talk in the off season. But folks, I haven't put out my like too early preseason poll for the Big Twelve yet. I'm still kind of tinkering, and I wanted to wait to see some more of who's going to come back. At this point, OU is number one. I'm leave it there. I think that's not going to be too shocking for anyone. I'm going to go ahead and have Kansas at, at 10th. Sorry, Andy. Not too big of a shock there. It's um, fair. At, I can't at two, complain. At two, I, I felt good about Iowa State. Now, Iowa State's at two, and they're closer to one than they are to three by a lot, uh, especially now that we have learned that so many guys are coming back for this upcoming season. Brock Purdy is back. Charlie Kolar is back. Uh, obviously, we know Brees Hall, Xavier Hutchinson, guys like that are back. Um as I understand it, 20 of the 22 starters from this past season will be returning. That includes eight of nine players who earned first-team All-Big 12 honors. Like, that's insane. This is nuts. This team is going to be good. This reminds me of, let me say this, um, a lot of times we get teams, you go into the year, people are kind of like, oh, the, you, let's hype them up. Because they, you know, they had a nice season and they've got this talent. And if they take that next step, they could be that team to challenge. This is not this. This is 2010-2011 Oklahoma State. Loaded team who pretty much all came back. This is 2011-2012 Kansas State. Team who was close, was loaded, and pretty much brought everybody back. This Iowa State team is the closest we've seen to legitimate gonna-go-straight-back-to-the-Big-12 title game. And I hope that, because, look, things can happen, injuries happen, who knows what the schedule's actually going to look like because the Big 12 schedule hasn't been announced yet. But my point is this. Iowa State's going to be really good. They're an easy lock at preseason number two. I wouldn't be shocked if a few people put them at one just for funsies. I'm not going to. I'm sorry. Um, Two feels right. But I really hope the Big 12, when they set up the conference schedule, schedules this game right. Because this is the most like sure 1-2 Big 12 title game matchup we've seen since the Big 12 title game came back. Typically, they put that game that they think is going to happen earlier in the year. Give it to us. Like, give it to us early. Okay? Give it to us early. Iowa State is going to be a top 10 preseason team. Oklahoma is going to be a top 10 preseason team. We're going to have Iowa State-Iowa win the game. Win the damn game. (laughs) I'm fine with, like, week four, week five conference opener for these two teams. Just give it to us early. Like, just right out the gate. 
let's get that game. Because then it gives us even more time to be excited as we can build toward it. I'm going to disagree with you here. I want it in like the third week of the Big 12 season because I want them to have time to get into Big 12 form. I want this to be a very good game, one that we're super excited about getting the rematch. But I want it to be early enough in the conference season that it doesn't feel like we just saw this. So give it to me in like week three or four of Big 12 conference play. Make it the third or fourth game so we have at least a month, a month and a half in between them. You know, so there's time for that to build back up. You know, if this is like game number six on both of these teams' schedules, assuming we play a full 12 game, you know, schedule there, that would be absolutely perfect because then you give them each time to round into midseason form to really get to where you expect them to be, but they still have time to develop after the game and really take something from here and make changes to give us an even better rematch, assuming that it actually happens. The only bad thing about these two teams being clearly the two best teams coming into next year is that it it has the very, very good potential to ruin our little you know, Big 12 championship game funsies uh, where we have a different team that Oklahoma beats every single year because I, I think it's going to be real tough for that to happen, you know, this next year coming up with, with Iowa State bringing all this back. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not exactly going to shed any tears over losing that I can't uh, imagine why. fun tidbit because, gosh, I mean, I tell you what, uh, Cyclone fan group chat I had talking about uh, after winning the festival, just how incredible it was going to be to be able to go into Jack Trice next year or this coming season and celebrate together was already just almost unfathomable for the fan base. And then to see all these people who are coming back and to be able to give them the kind of crowd support, the fan support that they really deserve to have them able to run it back. I mean, it's, it's incredible, and I, I don't know who's more excited, you know, Matt Campbell, the players, or the fans. Everyone is just uh, feeling feeling pretty good right now. So if things hold normal, uh, it looks like Red River would be October 10th, if that's about about normal time based off the Texas State Fair. Um, that would be That would make it tough for October 9th. It would make it tough for uh week three of the uh, of the season yuck i could take i could tell you what let red river happen on whatever weekend it is which i think would be about the ninth i think that's right give both teams a bye week on the 16th let them let them face off in norman on the 23rd of october that works feels, for me that feels good because that's plenty that of time be, before uh... the big 12 title game yeah, it gives you about a month and a half before. So, like, I mean, kind of like right there in that perfect, perfect uh, window there. Because, I, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't want it to be like the first Big 12 game because then you always, you know, you always get the, oh my gosh, they, they haven't really gotten, you know, to where they need to be. You're still developing and it'll be an excuse regardless if it's that early for whoever ends up losing. So, so as I mentioned, we will, we'll have plenty of offseason talk about Iowa State. Uh, this will be fun. I think it will be interesting. Yeah, it, it really will. Um, don't lose the sidehawk again. Like, please, please don't do that. Please, 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 please. Look, that'll be very soon after I marry a Hawkeye. I just, I would like my marriage to survive longer than a month. So what do his looks have to do with? Yeah. Wait, I was going to say, isn't one of you going to be like, you know, have huge problems with the other if, uh, you know, no matter who wins? See, he he can deal with it if we finally pull one. But if we freaking lose again, 
I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, I was going to say I can't because, be held responsible. I was going to say because you remember that they actions. don't allow ties anymore in in college football. So. <laughs> ties are gross. Okay, enough football talk for now. Uh, we got to talk a little hoops. Uh, we are, as Jamie mentioned, in full swing. College basketball season is here. Big 12 play is underway. We've had, uh, what is it, like 24 games played now? I think that's, no, is it 12, 12 games? I can't, math is not my forte, so let's just let's just pretend like I ha- I've, I'm not. No, it's this isn't even math, games. this is just counting, Philip. Well, it's 24, I'm trying to, it's the, it's the I'm, yeah, it's 24. I'm going off my road home record, which we'll talk about here in a bit. Uh, this weekend, look, I've been tracking this, and I, let's just get this out of the way. I've been tracking this. It's weird that the road team is doing so well in Big 12 play this year. And so I wanted to go back and go, okay, what? how weird is this? 2019 20 through 2016, okay? Let me give you the, the records of the home team versus the road team. 2019 was 58 to 32. 2018, 58 to 32. 2017, 55 to 35. 2016, 57 to 33, okay? So it's typically about the same number of home wins versus road wins, right? So far into this year, 24 games. It's not a huge sample size, but so far road teams are 16 and 8. It's a drastic enough number to go. At some point, it still might level out, but it's really weirding me out. And no, no. I still don't know if it's COVID or what's going on, but it's not just like a, like it was one thing when it was like 12 games in. We're 24 games into, I know it's a long schedule, but it's 8 and 16, or 16 and 8 for the road teams. This is getting weird. For people that consider themselves to be amateur statisticians, like this is well outside the confidence interval. (laughs) This is a statistically significant deviation from what you would expect at this point in the season. Like you, you can tell me it's a small sample size all you want, but this would essentially be taking half of, no, sorry. This is, yeah, this is roughly half of all of the wins you expect road teams to have in the first fifth of the season. Like, this is ridiculous how far this has swung. Um, and I'm sorry, it's not the fifth, but the first quarter of the season still. So, like, this is, this is, th- there is something here to this point. Now, whether it stays that way or not, you know, it might be just a schedule quirk that the stronger teams have been on the road in a lot of these games. And so maybe that's kind of the way it's worked out. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that's actually the case in a lot of these. Um, you know, I mean, we're, we, we are seeing, a lot of weirdness going on, even when a team like Oklahoma, you know, and I know that we're going to talk about this game probably, but Oklahoma going on the road to Kansas and almost winning that game tells you that something is going on. The question is what's causing it and how likely is it to continue? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to really judge. I'm trying to see if there's anything. Oh, this isn't what I was looking for. I was trying to get a more specific breakdown of the home in a way, which I have up for the women's teams, but not the men's. You can tell where my priorities lie. <laughs> um, but it's it's just hard to judge. Here we go. Okay, so your away records for the Big 12 men's basketball team sit at 3-0 and for Baylor, 2-0 and for Texas, 2-0 and for Kansas. 2-0 for Texas Tech. 2-1 for Oklahoma State. Those are the top five teams in the Big 12. I mean, you expect them to do well, and then when you go out on the road, 
and there's not fans to shift anything one way or the other, to me, it makes sense that things would maybe be a little bit different, but I think it will matter a lot more if at the end of the season we're saying, okay, these numbers hold true. Because it's like Andy said, right now it very well could be that they are playing some of the kind of quote-unquote easier road games for the better teams, but I'm not diving on doing a statistical analysis on that. Suffice to say, it'll be more important if this holds true the entire season. That's fair. I think what's weird to me is I went through those four past seasons and tracked. Weekdays, weird things happen, right? Home teams win most of the time on on. on yeah, road teams can win on weekdays because you have a lower uh, fan show out for Tuesday and Wednesday games. But generally on Saturdays, home teams dominated. You had the occasional one and four weekend a Saturday for home teams. You had some two and three, but more often than not, it was a five and oh, a four and one, a three and two, right? Now, this is a true small sample size because we really only had two full Saturday slates since we've come back from the kind of holiday break um, because they, everyone's kind of played a few games back in December. We've only had two full Saturday slates, but so far the Saturday slates, the road teams are eight and two. That's unusual. That's where this number is going the way it's going, and that is incredibly unusual. It's weird to see it that way because typically, the you know, when I was tracking the these numbers, it would be close early, like it, it might be close. But as you went on, those Saturdays would hit, and it would just home would would jump out, home would jump out, home would jump out, and you'd get these these numbers. Now, again, I do think there's some Andy to your point. You know, you look at this past Saturday, number two Baylor was at TCU. Okay. Um, Texas Tech, ranked Texas Tech, was at Iowa State. They're not very good. Oklahoma State went to Kansas State, who was down to six scholarship players and two walk-ons. Okay, Oklahoma State should be better than Kansas State. Um, Kansas beat Oklahoma at home. As you mentioned, it was a closed game. And the only real, like, kind of maybe surprising one, I thought West Virginia would beat Texas. Texas went on the road to West Virginia and beat West Virginia. So you can look at this weekend if you want to break it down individually. I'm waiting one more week before I'm just full in on, like, okay, it's time to go track SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, and everybody else and figure out if they're having similar situations. Because that's really the thing. Is is this a, if I go track, and I won't even do the powers. Tell you what, I'll track five random conferences. Because I think that's the only way to do a, a fair study, right? You can't just pick and choose data. You need to pull random data. So I'm going to pick five random conferences. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to track out their conference road versus home records and see what everybody else is. Because either... It's going to be a common thing, and that's just a we just chalk it up to COVID, or it's a Big Twelve thing, and I have no idea. I don't. But to your point on Saturday, though, not only do you have three favored teams in Baylor, Tech, and Oklahoma State that won, but Texas West Virginia was so close and came down to the wire, a two point game. I mean, it's extremely realistic to say that potentially having fans there could swing it more than two points. Yeah. Okay, not so only here's, that, here's the best way to. Oh, go ahead. Well, I'll say not only that, but what we've seen in, in these Saturday matchups, because like isolating it to the Saturday matchups, I think is part of the issue here. Um, we have seen, and it's weird because this doesn't only happen, especially this early in the season. The the team that's on the road is the team that honestly should be favored, and in most of these cases was favored, whether it's by Ken Palm or Bart Torvik or on the Vegas line. You know, Texas legitimately looks like one of the best four teams in the in the country this year. 
And so them going and beating West Virginia on the road, honestly, isn't that much of a stretch. Like they were favored in that game everywhere that I could find. And, you know, I'm not necessarily that surprised. I do think that there's a little bit of COVID, you know, and, and home crowds not being there that kind of helps out somewhat. But but I also just think that we're 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 dealing with something weird where so far most of the games that we've seen so far the team that's at home is rightfully an underdog in that game and so it's very likely that they're actually going to lose that one the question again becomes as this goes throughout the season like unless teams just completely start playing so much differently than they have this early part of the season the expectation then would is that that should flip we should be seeing a lot more games where the home teams are the favorite teams and that should swing back the other way if it doesn't then something's going on and it's a matter of trying to figure out what it was but I don't know that this is necessarily that surprising, and yet it's such a stark stat when you look at it that it makes you wonder if maybe there is something else going on. Um, yeah, it's just, it's weird because, you know, normally when Kansas has won the Big 12 as many times as they had, it was because they were the only team that could consistently go on the road and win lots of games on the road. They didn't have any slip-ups on the road against teams that they shouldn't, or that, that they should have beaten, but that team got a big bump at home. We're now seeing, you know, Jamie went through them all. We're seeing the top five teams in the conference right now are all very, very good on the road this year, which, again, it's going to, you know, it's going to be how well does that hold up through the rest of the year, but it's at least something early to start looking at to see if these teams can all consistently be good on the road. We'll talk about this upcoming weekend here a little bit more in a minute, but uh, I will be interested to see how this weekend goes. Kansas is home against Iowa State, West Virginia home against TCU, Texas at home against Kansas State. You would expect those three home teams to win, and then you've got toss-ups in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and uh, or Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, and Baylor at Texas Tech. So, uh, you know, it, it may be an issue of, to some degree, what Andy's talking about, of the better teams have been on the road more. And I think the the top of the Big 12, the top half of the Big 12 is really, really good. And the bottom three, four teams just aren't as good. And so this is what we're seeing kind of happen. But it'll be, again, TCU went to Stillwater and, and beat Oklahoma State. Uh, Kansas State went to Iowa State and won that game. So, like, it's there's also a few examples of, like, this is weird. So we'll, we'll just continue to keep an eye on this this season. Um, I'm going to track some other conferences and see what those kind of things look like. I'm going to get somebody to be like, dude, no one cares. I'm like, that's fine. I'm just weird and nerdy, and this thing intrigues the crap out of me because I don't understand it. We are very excited to have a new sponsor for the 1012 podcast to start 2021, and that is Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, specifically the Lawnmower 3.0. Now, I understand family jewels, weird thing to say, ha, ha, ha. We all love to make jokes about personal grooming, but let's get real for just a second. We've all tried. We've all struggled. It's not the easiest thing to do. Manscaped makes it easy. I'm not talking about going smooth as a baby's bottom. However you want it to be, whatever is most comfortable to you, I have a comfort level. I have now been able to reach easier than ever before. I'm sure you have one as well. So do yourself a favor and go check out the Lawnmower 3.0. Third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's got a little LED light, which makes things easier to see. It's got a really quiet motor. It ain't loud. Easy to charge, easy to use, incredibly comfortable, incredibly well designed, specifically for you and me, guys. The lawnmower is not the only thing that's great about them. They've got other trimming products, including for your uh, nose and ear, which let me tell you, as you get older, as I have, once you start dealing with those ear hairs, 
you're going to thank me for going to Manscaped. So go to manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code 1012. Okay, 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com when you use promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2. You are going to like this. This is going to be something you are really happy to have in your arsenal. So, manscaped.com, promo code 1012, 20% off, free shipping. And let me just say, you are never going to be more comfortable than you will after a Manscaped shave. Okay, so looking back to this weekend again, a couple storylines I want to talk about. Andy, I want to let's let's hop in on yours real quick, the, the one you want to talk about. Obviously, those everyone knows at this point. Um, one of West Virginia's star players, Oscar Shibway, uh, has left the team. Uh, as I have seen it reported, emphasis on reported, and I really need to remember who it was that reported it um, because otherwise I'm going to feel like a jerk. So let's just pause for five seconds while I do a Twitter search. Oh, no, he tweeted it himself. So uh, Big O, Shibway, uh, is officially part uh, uh, a, a team member of the University of Kentucky. So he has gone to Kentucky uh, to, to finish out his career there. Which, okay, um, but Bobby Huggins during a, 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 a an interview, and I'm just gonna let you take it from here because I I just watched the video. I can have some thoughts, but on the on the, uh, the Bob Huggins show uh, talked about Sheway's decision. Um, Andy, just jump in here. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was a. I actually had 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 retweeted it from my account because, and I pointed to to these other two so we could talk about this here. Bob Huggins basically, without directly saying it, essentially said that people were um, tampering in some fashion with Oscar Sheway. Um, I don't know whether he's implying that it was specific schools that were tampering with him, or if it was agents that were steering him towards a place like Kentucky because they could potentially cash in more. But he was not so thinly veiled in basically saying on, I don't know what the radio show was, um, but basically saying that, you know, the reason that Oscar Shibway is no longer with West Virginia um, is because outside sources, other people were kind of messing with him and getting in his head and essentially steering him away from the team. Um, it seemed to indicate that this was while he was actually still a member of the team and was still playing for West Virginia, which if that's actually true... That is a huge issue, could lead to some tampering charges, could lead to, you know, issues with the NCAA and them actually cracking down and having punishments. I'm not sure if it's going to get to that point, but it's a really big allegation from from Huggins. And it's not one, well, it's not one that I think any coach would make lightly, even though Huggins is usually a little bit more outspoken than the rest of the coaches. He doesn't, you know, mind telling you what's on his mind. Um, but this, I, that just kind of struck me because that's, a, that's something that you usually don't say unless you've got something going on there and there's going to be some sort of complaint to the NCAA. Look, I'm going to be honest. I don't think that people give up part of their season lightly, even if it is a free year, he's not going to be eligible to play this year. I think that him leaving the program in the middle of the season means that there's more going on than Huggins probably wants to admit. Um, he was playing less than 20 minutes a game. Okay. When you're a quote unquote star and you're playing less than half the game, there's obviously other factors in play. There's other good players on West Virginia that can certainly pick up those, uh, 
those minutes, but by the time he left the program, he was he was playing just under twenty minutes a game. He, he, and he also it, wasn't playing well enough though to be playing more than twenty minutes a game. Like he was having severe issues with the way that he was playing and actually how he was performing while he was on the court. So it was clear there's something going on with him before any of that happened. The fact that he kept losing playing time, you know, was not a surprise to me just because of the way that he actually was playing on the court. He seemed to be getting back down a lot where he shouldn't have been. Like, there was a lot of stuff that made me kind of wonder what was going on. I expected him to be in the running for Big 12 Player of the Year this year. So, like, I had high expectations for him, yeah. and I know everyone else did. And so it was really weird to see him come out with this kind of start to the season. And then, uh, you know, everything that happened after that was was a natural consequence of him just not performing very well. Um, except for, you know, once he finally just said that he was stepping away from the team. And it seemed like he didn't necessarily have all the say in that. Um but, you know, I don't think Huggins kicks him off the team if it's just him not performing well. It sounds like it was precipitated by people meddling where they shouldn't have been, him having some issues, him not maybe, you know, not having the correct response to what was going on, not showing that he was actually committed to West Virginia at that point in the long term. And it just kind of spiraled out from there. I think this is one of the unintended consequences of, you know, the new legislation from the NCAA allowing people to transfer without having to sit out an entire year after they transfer because it's going to allow things like this to kind of happen where guys can leave and immediately be eligible if they don't like the situation that they're in. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen all over the place, but I think this is not going to be the first time that we're going to see a guy that isn't going to like his situation or something's going to go wrong and he doesn't react to it well and ends up leaving a program. And, you know, I don't think that there's as much of an impediment for other programs or other people close to other programs from reaching out and trying to tamper where before they wouldn't necessarily have done it because there just wasn't a good incentive for it. Yeah. And I mean, that's not even for me to say that I think that what he's saying is baseless because it's not exactly a secret that the big time blue blood, blue blood programs do that. Like that's not speculation, but as a generality, things like that happen. I'm not saying that Kentucky specifically does it. I don't have insider information, um, but it happens. And so there's there's no way to pretend that, that that what he's saying is not possible. And Andy, you are 100% correct. Not only could it happen, this will happen. A lot. This is the first of many. And the biggest thing that'll happen is not going to be people going from the Big 12 to a Blue Blood. Obviously, that'll happen. But it's going to be... Oh, you play against uh, some, you know, state, whatever, small school for your uh, for your opening games, for your early non-conference games, and they've got a stud that drops 30 on you. Well, you're probably going to spend an extra minute shaking their hand there in the post-game line. And <laughs> wow, so weird. They transferred to you the next year. I mean, who could have ever seen that coming? <laughs> It's going to happen. It already does. It's going to just be an insane level. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be a, a much quicker payoff. I also do think as well, like, I don't know that we're going to see the, this sort of situation um, where, you know, you're going to have a guy leave in the middle of a season, but there will mm-hmm. definitely be a lot more. And, and I also think this means that, you know, once a guy has committed to a school, there's no way anybody backs off from talking to him anymore because you want to build that relationship up for when he's not happy with his coach you know, at the school that he goes to. So that way you can try to nudge him to like, Hey, you can transfer and you can come here and not have to sit out at all. Like, come on, let's, let's, let's do this. 
We might as well call the off-season off free agency. Like, I mean, it's basically to that point now, except no one's getting paid. Allegedly. Okay. I I think you guys have summed that one up well. And uh, we could just move on from there. This this is Philip's favorite kind of discussion where he doesn't have to say anything so people can't get mad at him if they don't like what it, what was said. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's a good that's a good description. I think the other uh, non-score storyline from Saturday that we really got to talk about um, comes from the Texas-West Virginia game. And I'm sorry, West Virginia, this feels like we're just going to have a hard, it's going to be a tough day for West Virginia. But uh, we got to talk about what happened there. Obviously, Texas getting the 72-70 to 70 win. Um, but the big thing came, Andrew Jones. Uh, if you don't know the story about Andrew Jones at Texas, you really should just just Google it. Just Google Andrew Jones in Texas, and you'll you'll learn all you need to know. But Andrew Jones hits the game-winning three to give Oklahoma, or to give Texas the win. Uh, it was three years to the day that Andrew had to leave the team for leukemia treatment. Three years to the day that he left the team for leukemia treatment, he hits the game winner on the road to knock off West Virginia. And keep Texas undefeated in Big 12 play at 4-0. Um, forget the score. Congrats, Texas. Uh, it's, it's great. I'm, I'm, Shaka is proving me wrong. Um, and I will I will eat all the crow. That's fine. I'm happy to admit that I was wrong about Texas this year. I'm um, sorry for West Virginia. It's a game they led by four at halftime and, and lost. But, man, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you root for. The Andrew Jones story is one, is an amazing one. Uh, it, and for him to be able to have that opportunity, I don't think that story got enough play nationally anywhere, uh, and, it, and it and it deserved all all it could get, all of it. I just that's the kind of stuff. Those are the things that make us love sports. Those stories happen all over the place, but in sports, they can be highlighted in a, in such a way like that in this unique moment that I just was impressive it was incredibly impressive and it was incredibly great to see and if you got to watch it live congrats if you watch the highlights do it and go check out his story yeah i mean you summed it up pretty well uh one everyone always wants to talk about adversity in sports they overcame this adversity they overcame that adversity adversity and it ranges from anything to uh you know missing a team bus and having to sit out a quarter to tearing an ACL, to, um, you know, things that are are in, in the moment extreme, but to have that kind of life event happen and then to come back and have that kind of moment and have it be not just something that's a part of your life, but it's on the anniversary three years later. I mean, you really couldn't write it any better than that and it's incredible it's the kind of thing that you know West Virginia fans say well wish that uh wish that we would have won that but the moment itself is just so undeniably incredible that you have to at least appreciate it yeah it's also one of those things you know like this this reminds me you know we, we saw a similar kind of story in the NFL with Eric Berry of the Kansas City Chiefs where you know he missed the season because of cancer and then came back you know, he didn't he didn't miss nearly as much time as Andrew Jones ended up doing, but he came back and won comeback player of the year because of that, you know, huge story all over the place. 
there hasn't really been much for Andrew Jones at this point. He is playing absolutely phenomenally. Uh, he's not the best player on this Texas team, but he you can definitely tell he is the heart of this Texas team. They draw a lot of inspiration from him. He fires them up. He really gets them going. And so, you know, even if he doesn't end up being, you know, having the best stats from that Texas team, him being able to come back and play the way that he has been, I think has been a big, big part of why this Texas team is actually finally putting it all together. Obviously, some other things have changed elsewhere, and we can talk about that like quite a bit. Um, but but it's also kind of one of those things like having that emotional boost a lot of times will help push a team, an otherwise very good team, over the top because they have that person to coalesce around to really push them when they you know have problems on the court. And Andrew Jones was doing that consistently. He was you know every time that they needed a big play, he was the guy. He was involved in some way in getting them the play that they needed to get them to come back. And he's done that several times this year. So it's that absolutely fantastic story for him. He's going to end up being one of the biggest leaders on this team. And who knows, you know, theoretically, he could still be there for two more years after this year. Um, he's going to he's gonna be go down, I think, as one of the most memorable Texas players um, in, in a very, very long time. Hey, guys, Christine Butterfield here. And Madison Morris. And together, we host the Winning Women podcast. This podcast is all about women's empowerment and creating a positive platform for females to tell their stories. Each week, we interview players, coaches, reporters, journalists, and much, much more. The conversations we have are unique to each guest, and they always have words of wisdom to share. Listen to the Winning Women podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, presented by the Highball Network. So as we like to do with football season, let's look ahead to this upcoming week and the slate of games we have. Uh, midweek games, three on Tuesday, Kansas at Oklahoma State, TCU at Oklahoma, West Virginia at Baylor, ooh la la. Uh, on Wednesday, we get Iowa State at Kansas State and Texas Tech at Texas, ooh. Saturday slate, we get Bedlam uh, at seven in Stillwater, Bedlam round one, Iowa State at Kansas, as we mentioned, TCU at West Virginia, Baylor at Texas Tech, and Kansas State at Texas. Uh, that is uh, it's 10 solid games for Big 12 this week. I'm curious from each of you which game uh, you are most excited about. And, I mean, I, yeah, you can pick your team if you want to, whatever. I, I'm not going to pick my team because, honestly, like maybe that, that Kansas-Oklahoma State game is going to be an interesting one, but Kansas should be able to win both of those games quite handily if they don't fall on their face again. So the ones that really jump out to me are the two games for Baylor this week. Um, you know, we are going to find out just how good Baylor is, you know, if they really deserve to be that one B to Gonzaga at this point, um, you know, because they are, they are on the road against Texas Tech on Saturday, like you said, um, you know, and then on Wednesday, they're playing that game against West Virginia. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's on Tuesday, not on Wednesday. Um, you know, so they're welcoming West Virginia in a very good West Virginia team still um, on Tuesday. It's going to be an absolutely great game for them as well. And then Saturday, they've got that, you know, that huge matchup against Texas Tech. They should beat both of these teams. But, you know, the Big 12, there's a lot of really good teams. And so if they're going to slip up, it's probably going to be somewhere in this stretch. Um, you know, this will tell us whether it's going to be a good Big 12 race the rest of the year or if Baylor's just going to beat the pants off of everybody throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, very much agreed. Those are going to be a couple of... Very, very good games. I would say that of the two, I would be probably more excited for um, Baylor going to 
tech, having just watched tech, I feel like I have a little bit better grasp of like who they are as a team. And I think they're pretty dang good. I think they've got potential to do very well in games, just depending on, um, you know, how well they shoot it, but they're so disciplined. And so I think that Baylor also is a fairly disciplined team. I don't know to the same extent as tech, uh, but I think that Scott Drew and Chris Beer are both really, really good coaches. And being a coach's kid, I am a sucker for a great coaching matchup. So I'm really, really excited to watch that one. Um, I will note on our Baylor conversation, uh, they are 11-0, have won every game by double digits, and the closest margin of victory they have is an 11-point win at Iowa State. And I know Iowa State's not very good. She's still on the road in Big 12 play. Like, Baylor is beating everybody. Now, obviously they didn't get to play Gonzaga, but the curb stomped Illinois. They've got some other good wins. But I do think it's an interesting week. I, I will piggyback off of that. They're two games late and talk about Texas Tech's two games late. Wednesday, they go to Austin to face Texas, who is, I mean, rolling. Uh, and then Texas Tech gets to welcome said Baylor team into Lubbock on Saturday afternoon. Look, uh, I think this Texas Tech team is is good. I know Ken Palm has them at like number 13, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Net ranking, they're currently 20th. It's a good Texas Tech team. I'm not saying this isn't a good Texas Tech team. And I'm sure Texas Tech teams will be fans will be like, you just don't like Texas Tech. No, I like Texas Tech. I think they are good. I'm I'm still having a hard time really buying in. I think the problem I have with Texas Tech is I don't think they're as close to the top of the Big 12 as they are to the kind of middle grouping of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma at this point. Um. I don't know that they have maybe the road win at Oklahoma. They don't have a win on their resume that's really all that impressive to me, unless someone's going to kind of be like, actually, what you don't know is that Troy is really good this year, and that was a great home win for them. They haven't beat anybody that I'm just like super impressed with. I think they're good, and they've been blowing bad teams out, and the road win at Oklahoma is a pretty solid one. But I, I just, I'm not all about it on that oh, Texas Tech is as good as they are ranked. And I really want to see what they do against Texas and Baylor. I don't expect them to win both, but if they win either one at Texas, who I think, because I think Texas and Baylor are the two best teams in Big 12 this year, if they can knock off either Texas or Baylor this week, I'll lock, I'll put them right back up there. I will put them among the, the, the best in the conference. I think West Virginia's dropping back. Losing Shibway is a big deal. He's a huge piece for them. I think Kansas is good. I don't think Kansas is as good as Texas or Baylor. Obviously, with the, what Texas did to, to Kansas, I know that was one game, but I think Texas and Baylor are the cream of the conference. Texas Tech has two opportunities to try and beat those two teams or at least be incredibly impressive against them. I want to see how they look. I want to be impressed by Texas Tech. I haven't been thus far. I would like to see how they look. Yeah, the the thing that jumps out to me about Texas Tech is that I don't think they really have any player, like in terms of talent-wise, I don't think they stack up to the rest of the top of the Big 12 Conference. But Chris Beard and that system that he has built in there, especially the defense that he has, you know, they the guys that they have are perfect. The effort amount that's required, you know, to actually play that defensive that that defense well. The issue is it's it's very very heavy on requiring the officials to be willing to call charges for them. And when it works really well, like it did against Kansas, they can still lose. And when it doesn't work, then they have problems. 
And, you know, like they have a reputation at this point that they are going to be able to draw charges. So I think they get more of them than they really should. But it's one of those things where Texas Tech, the reason they are as good as they are is because of the coach they have and the system and the way he's able to work those players together, not because they're super talented like the rest of the teams that are at the top of the Big 12. Texas is a very super talented team that in some cases is overcoming, you know, Shaka's shortcomings as a coach, but he's been able to kind of back off from those for the most part to allow that team to will them where they need to be. Baylor has both a good coach in, in, in Scott Drew and a very, very talented team. Kansas has a very, you know, a, a less talented than normal, but still a very talented team with a, an absolutely phenomenal head coach. Um, Texas Tech can't really match up with those three specifically they might be able to match up a little bit better with, with West Virginia at this point. Um, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things. They're still up there because of the reputation. Um, I do think as they start to play some of these better teams that you're going to find that they're going to continue to struggle with them. And, you know, they they need to steal a win somewhere against a Kansas, Texas tech. I'm sorry, a Kansas, Texas or Baylor in order for people to take them seriously as one of the better teams in the big 12. And I just don't know that they can do that without, one of those other teams completely falling apart. Two last thought on, thoughts on Tech. Obviously, the big news for them this week uh, was losing the highest-rated recruit in program history. Um, Namari Burnett, announced the five-star who had, was in this 2020 class, announced that he was leaving. Now, he hadn't done much on the court. He played in all 12 games, averaged 5.3 points per game, 1.8 rebounds, and, and almost an assist. Uh, he was he had quite a few steals. Um but that's a huge loss for Texas Tech. That's a guy that you thought it's a five-star recruit coming to your program would, would be a big deal. Unless another guy uh, earlier in the year. I think it's a situation of it's a good Texas Tech team. I am worried that Beard's emphasis on bringing in transfers every single year is actually going to start to hurt him. We'll see how that goes. I also think, I think Chris Beard is one of the best coaches in college basketball. I also think he's not new anymore. And teams have played him enough times. Coaches have played against him enough times that how do I, I'm going to say this and I'm going to be told that I don't like Coach Beard. And that's fine. You're wrong. I do. I just said I think he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. But I also think there's something to when you play someone enough times, you learn them. And he had incredible success early because he was still new in the conference. And now teams have played him enough times that coaches know how to coach against him. The novelty's that worn off. Yes. That now, but I hate saying the word novelty. Novelty implies well, like novelty is the wildcat. Like no, I, the guy is a good coach, but it's it's there is something to when something is new and really good, it's that much harder to beat. But but if it's really good, but you are familiar with it, it's slightly less hard to beat it. Yeah, literally though, the word novelty. A lot of people misunderstand like the context of novelty. Novelty literally means that there's like an extra awe factor to something because it's unusual. It's not something you see all the time. So literally, once it's now routine, once you're seeing them all the time, like that's that's really the best way to put it is the novelty wears off. So now you're just dealing with a really good coach and you can find holes in the approach of a really good coach if you play them often enough that you can you know figure out what his tendencies are or find ways to counter it. That's the stage that we're at is that people are finally figuring out how to counter what he's doing because it's not something brand new. It's, you know, it's something that they've seen several times before. They've had some opportunity to kind of think about how they want to attack it. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, it's not supposed to be like novelty as in gimmicky or anything like that. It's literally just the fact that it's brand new. 
you know, and it's it's no longer brand new for these people that are, you know, coming up with game plans of how to attack what he tries to do. Novelty stories yeah, ruin I mean, the word novelty. Yep, agreed. It's, I mean, I think you guys are right. It's I think that he the system he has is effective. I think it's less effective as people get used to it. But I also believe that there's potential to continue to adapt it and continue to change it. I just think that it's been working well enough that they really haven't. So I think that if, you know, you go out and you see tech drop a couple close ones, there will be some adjustments. So All right, Jamie, as we have mentioned leading up to now, and we're going to make sure we do it today, I'm making sure we reserve some time to do so. Uh, it's time to talk a little women's Big 12 hoops. Um, the ladies are in full force as well. The season is not going entirely the way that I thought that it would, to be perfectly honest. Not too shocking. Baylor's sitting atop. Well, let's put it this way. Baylor's really good. 8-1 and one overall, 3-0 and oh in Big 12 play. Uh, ranked number six in the country, it's number seventeen Texas, uh, eight and two overall, two and one in conference play. But there's only two other not ran unbeaten conference play teams. Kansas is one no, but they've only played one game. They've been dealing with a lot of COVID issues. Meanwhile, there's Oklahoma State, and this is where I want to start with the Cowgirls. Nine and two overall, five and zero in Big Twelve play, and I know they haven't faced what I would consider a, a juggernaut schedule in Big Twelve play. And they faced Oklahoma, they faced TCU, which they beat Sally this last Saturday. Um, but they do have the win over West Virginia, which is a nice win. Um, they beaten TCU twice. I forgot about that. Um, they've beaten Texas Tech, who's not great. But the point for me is this. I came into this season as an Oklahoma State fan, not expecting a whole lot, especially when they lost some of the the, uh, the ladies in transfer, specifically to, 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 to Texas Tech. <laughs> um, but Tasha Mack... Ford for the Cowgirls has been absolutely tearing it up. So I I need you, someone who follows women's basketball closer than anybody else that I know, and does a very good job of it, by the way. I need you to tell me, is Oklahoma State for real this season? Or is this kind of one of those things where it's a product of the schedule? It's it's hard to judge based on several factors right at this very second because I think this time next week I can give you a much better answer but so far it's been such an odd season it's hard to compare team to team quite as easily because of not having just one program with COVID issues we've had Baylor, K-State, and Kansas all missing games due to COVID. So what that does is it gives you such a different sample size for everyone. But Oklahoma State has played the most Big 12, Big 12 games out of anyone, and they are 5-0. and So as we were talking about before, you know, we started recording, I said, it's hard to win five straight Big 12 games no matter who you're playing. So Oklahoma State is already significantly outperforming any expectations that really anyone had of them before the season. They were pretty solidly in eighth place in the preseason polls, and they were very close there with TCU in ninth. So for them to be playing this well, even if you want to say it's against teams that they that aren't 
that great. You know, if you want to talk about, oh, you know, they beat TCU twice. Well, in the preseason poll, they were neck and neck with them. So they're already so far outperforming. But I think that there's more to it than just outperforming expectations. I think they are a legitimate team. I think that they've got players who are buying into their roles. I think that they have people who are okay saying, you know, we're going to kind of have to roll with, like you said, uh, as Max playing. They know that they're going to kind of not so much live and die by her, but a lot of what they do is going to be dependent on how she plays. So you're going to be kind of at the mercy of when you have a star player you rely upon a lot. Um, obviously, it's it's hard to be consistently great night in and night out. But when you have other people who are still able to step up and when you have people who are able to execute a game plan, you know, you're not just relying on, oh, we have the best athletes. You've got smart basketball players who are out there. You've got some height out there. You've got some good athletes. So I think that they're a well-balanced team and I think they're going to win quite a few Big 12 games. Now, are they going to be undefeated to end the season? Probably not. But I think that they are still going to win quite a few after this 5-0 and start. So, so Philip TLDR there, yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's kind of exactly. what I thought. Like, I feel like I need them. I don't think they're as good as Baylor or Texas, but they've got Kansas State and Iowa State coming up. Iowa State's solid, seven and four, as you know, Jamie, seven and four overall, three and one in conference play. Kansas State. I heard they're okay. Kansas State's all right. They're not very good. Um, but I do think for Oklahoma State, you know, these next two games, I got this game uh, on the thirteenth. At Iowa State, then they go to Kansas mm-hmm. State, and then they that's what Baylor. I think is going to tell us just as much as anything is to see those two play. I think will tell us a lot about Iowa State, and it'll tell us a lot about Oklahoma State. So I think that we're going to have a much better idea of where things sit in the Big Twelve after this week. Uh, I will note this as far as uh, as we talked about Natasha Mack, she is tied for seventeenth in rebounds per game at eleven point one. She is third with like total rebounds in the country. She is first in total blocks with 47 um, by a lot. Um, she's she's pretty dang good. Like I, she's she's putting up, not uh, maybe offensively, but she's putting up from a, a full round, full bodied stat standpoint, player of the year caliber stuff. So I'm, look, I know I sound like an Oklahoma State homer and I, I would pretend to be if I follow the team as close as I would like to and be like, yeah, I watch every... I think they're playing well. I think she's playing well. Um, so let's talk a little bit of Iowa State. You mentioned that the, the cowgirls and the – it's just Cyclones. You guys don't do the, like, lady Cyclones. No lady. Here, thank no. goodness. People like, say it, but it's not no, accurate. Don't do that. Don't do not do that. So talk to me a little bit about Iowa State. Um, they, they're kind of having what I would call an under-the-radar season, 7-4, and four, like I said, overall, 3-1 in conference play. Um, how, how are they looking so far this year? Well, it's a team that's developed a lot um, as the season wore on. So Iowa State is currently starting three freshmen and one of the first players off the bench is a freshman as well. So when you're putting that much um, of your time on freshmen, it's extremely hard to kind of predict how that's going to go. And... So far, it's gone well. Um, To start the season, there were obviously quite a few growing pains, quite a lot of developing that had to happen. But to be only this far into the season, to be, you know, 11 games into the season, and to have these freshmen playing the way that they are um, is 
I think basically as much as they ever could have hoped for, if not more. Um, we've got Emily Ryan, who is freshman point guard, leading the Big 12 in assists per game, dropped 12 dimes um, today as in Sunday, uh, had a double-double, 14 points, 12 assists, just completely changes the flow of the game when she's on the court. Lexi Donarski, who... Iowa State's first ever McDonald's All-American had really high expectations coming in, holds herself to an incredibly high standard. You know, for the past couple of years, when you think when you hear Iowa State, you hear about Ashley Jones. Well, here you have Lexi Donarski coming in, and she had 25 points today on 9 of 12 shooting, 7 of 9 from the three-point line. I mean, that's stuff that, I mean... When I was in my prime, maybe, but now I couldn't do that sitting in a gym alone. You know, that's stuff that really requires a really high level of composure, especially when you look at the fact that Iowa State won by nearly 30 points. So these players were playing at an incredibly high level, were not making mistakes, because Emily Ryan, 12 assists, two turnovers. And that's just not something that freshmen are usually capable of. And then, oh yeah, you have Ashley Jones, who... I mean, is capable of absolutely incredible things. All of a sudden, she doesn't have to shoulder the burden of trying to drop 30 points a night. She can look for other people. She can score, you know, 15 points and call it still a good day. Um, you've got some really great senior leaders who are in a slightly diminished role as far as the court goes, but they're perfectly happy to support those freshmen, to support the underclassmen, knowing that that's what's going to give them the best success. So, I mean, as far as a whole team unit goes... It's one of the most cohesive teams I've frankly ever seen. They broke the school record for three-pointers today with 19 in a game. And if you know Iowa State, you know that any team that can hold a three-point record must be something pretty special. Yeah, I like it. All right, so let's wrap up our little our women's basketball check-in with this. Um, Baylor in Texas. Baylor, obviously, 8-1, and 3-0. Uh, they've been dealing with COVID issues Still looking good so far? Yeah, I mean, still good. Um, still extremely talented. Obviously, a little bit smaller sample size than you would generally hope for at this point in the season. But really no reason to think that they're not going to continue to do <laughs> the things that they do. So um, top, of the, top of the conference is kind of what it is right now. Um, things could shift around a little bit. I don't think the number one spot is going to shift very much, but... Um, as far as like the two through four spots, I think it could get kind of interesting. Even I'll say two through five spots. I think between Texas, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, West Virginia, I think there's a lot of potential there for some really incredible games down the road. Very exciting. Uh, looking ahead to this week's schedule, as you mentioned, Oklahoma State and Iowa State in a, in a matchup that we will be watching Wednesday at 6.30. That's going to be on ESPN Plus if you don't have ESPN Plus. Okay. Uh, and then this weekend... Yeah, uh, Iowa State gets to uh, travel to Waco to face Baylor. That could be. I I don't mean this mean. Like even Baylor down, it's still Baylor. Um, this is not a great weekend of matchups. This is not a great weekend for the for the OSU Kansas Kansas. Two, no, I'll, I'll say Iowa State has a couple of interesting matchups. Some some real opportunities for themselves with uh, with Oklahoma State in Ames and then traveling to Waco. Um, so we'll keep an eye on those. Of course, we'll continue to do our little, our checking on women. Look, we, I, it's it's happening, and I find it interesting, and I like to see the Big 12 succeed in all sports. And so 
Jamie, I love having you here on the show and, and your knowledge of everything. We're going to try and get, I'm going to try and get some guests on, um, specifically for Jamie. I think we might try and get, we, we have had a big 12 women's basketball head coach on the show previously. I think I'm going to try and reach out and see if she would be available uh, to join us to talk a little hoops, uh, here in the next couple weeks. I think that would be fun. So we'll try and lock that down. Uh, you guys, any other final thoughts before we wrap up and, uh, and end this one today? I'm just ready for lots of fun basketball. It's about yes, time. I'm, uh... I suffered through football for so long. <laughs> Give me good basketball. Yeah, I I mean, I love basketball season. Basketball season is obviously insane for me personally, just because for anyone who doesn't know, besides the fact that my mom coaches the Iowa State women's basketball team, I call a number of their games on the radio. So that was my day all day today was going into the studio in Des Moines since it's an away game and I don't travel to those this year because of COVID. But um, it's a lot. But I still try to find the time and usually successfully find the time to watch a lots of other games. And so I just, I love basketball season. I love being able to talk basketball. I love that so many of my followers on Twitter are into basketball and like to engage with me on there. So uh, if you're someone who has, especially the people who have found me through this pod, I love that you engage with me on there. I feel like we have so much fun talking hoops. I am a huge fan of you. So uh, if you want to reach out to everybody here on on the Twitters, uh, you can follow the show, of course, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Yes, we respond to our DMs. Our DMs are open. Go ahead and reach out. Uh, and if you have constructive criticism for the show, let us know. You can follow Jamie at J-S-T-E-Y-Z. J-S-T-E-Y-Z and, of course, she will be happy to talk to women hoops with you. Uh, and, of course, Andy, our good friend here, if you love to talk Kansas or just want to tell Andy you hate him, haha, <laughs> LOL, <laughs> JK, <laughs> not in reality. Um at AndyMitts12, M-I-T-T-S. Um, so, yeah, uh, do us a favor. Leave us a rating review. Um, we'll have uh, – I've got a couple of guests. I'm working the lineup for our midweek show. So, yeah, let me just – last piece of podcast and business. Mondays will be this, Jamie and Andy and myself here, breaking down hoops. Uh, any Big 12 news that, that comes out that we feel the need to, to talk about. And then we will – Thursday's show will continue to be every Thursday morning. Uh, that will come out. And we'll uh, I'll line guests up and talk about a variety of topics. Um, I'm hoping to talk a little Big 12 baseball this Thursday. Some big news that came out last week that should be confirmed this week. So hopefully I'll have a guest lined up for that. And uh, I'm going to talk about someone's coaching changes, be it Texas or Baylor. I'm really interested in following those two stories um, this offseason. So we will talk football, baseball, and everything else until basketball season ends on Thursdays. Uh, so make sure you are subscribed uh, so you don't miss a single episode. And we will talk to you guys then. Podcast Network.